You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. And this is the Warrior Priest Podcast, midweek debrief number 35. And I am the Warrior Priest, Donovan Riley. Today, as I discussed this past Sunday at the end of the podcast, uh, someone I've read in the past by the name of Eamon Kafel. I hope I'm pronouncing your, right, your name right, Eamon, who, after I recorded that podcast where I read something that he had uh, posted or published to Havoc Journal, we connected over Instagram, and he then tagged me in another piece that he wrote about a week or so ago. And so thank you, Eamon, for that, and also for helping clarify for me, in my own thoughts, some things on this topic that I've definitely been chewing on for quite some time now, but due to more recent events, they've really been pushed to the foreground in the social conversation, whether we want it to be there or not, it's there now. And it's the question of what to do with LEOs, what to do with police and law enforcement. Is it, is the solution to defund the police and thereby build a new system of law enforcement in the place of the old system? Is it to hold law enforcement officers to a higher standards? Is it a matter of money and funds and support? Is it a matter of training? What, what is really or what should be at the core of the conversation around law enforcement and police, police reform? And I don't just mean in, in relationship to our reaction to something occurring with a police officer, a group of police officers, law enforcement, however it plays out, that there's this one incident or these these groupings of incidents that we then react to that incident by saying, okay, no more chokeholds or no more off-duty self-defense training or no more guns on your holster when you walk up to the scene of a suspected crime or whatever it might be. And I don't just mean reactionary. I mean, in general, what what should be at the heart of the conversation and what, what conversation should we have in regards to law enforcement in, in this case in particular, but how can that conversation change the trajectory of the whole conversation so that whether it is leading up to an altercation or an incident or after the fact, we're well grounded in a conversation, in a language and in a discussion that we can quickly and effectively address what has happened, why it happened, how it happened, what happened, and then deal with it according to a system of justice that we ourselves have all agreed to abide by. And then if it's the system of justice we believe is corrupt or favors one over the other, how do we then reform that system of justice? But I think if we don't figure out what the core conversation needs to be, all of those subsequent conversations are going to suffer because they're not rooted in place and we don't have a common, well-defined starting point. And therefore, I think no matter where we end up, the more voices you add to the conversation, the muddier it's going to be and the more conclusions you're going to arrive at that may have nothing to do with the original point. And I think you see that now more than ever, September 30th, 2020, in the whole debate, discussion, argument, conversation around law enforcement, police officer training, reform, defund, abolish, the whole thing. It's become this monster with all of these different tentacles and all of these different heads. And 
I don't really think I, I, well, I actually, I know I don't hear many people asking the question of the root. Like, do we share common definitions? Do we share a common purpose? Are our motives similar? Where are we going with this conversation? What do we hope to accomplish? How does this benefit law enforcement? So let's, I want to read then why you want cops to have a warrior's mindset, because it actually addresses not only the conversation about cops, about law enforcement, but also the deeper conversation, I think the root conversation that needs to happen that isn't there anymore, specifically in relation to LEOs, but also then in, in broader terms for everyday life for everybody. And as I go, I think you'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about. So Eamon writes, over the past several years, the term warrior has been used, labeled, demonized, idolized, and applied to all kinds of professions. These days, when someone mentions the word warrior, typically, it is synonymous with members of the military, sports figures, MMA, UFC, and others. The term warrior in the law enforcement community has been a taboo title. It went as far as removing the word completely from the culture and replaced with words like guardian and sheepdog. In the law enforcement community, when the word warrior was used, it was referred to as a mindset. The warrior mindset. Political correctness demonized it in the profession and associated it as part of the militarization of police. Across the country, that word was wiped out from any curriculum at police academies. It meant the police officers were too aggressive for modern society. It meant police officers will only use lethal force. It meant police officers will think of themselves as above their fellow man. The warrior mindset is far from that. The core beliefs of someone adopting the warrior mindset are discipline, respect, selfless service, honor, courage, and integrity. A warrior mindset at a deeper level helps individuals realize the true enemy is not external forces, but the internal. Weakness, fear, jealousy, greed, ego, laziness, and many other negative traits are recognized as the enemy of the warrior mindset. Miyamoto Musashi once said, quote, If you wish to control others, you must control yourself. End quote. So think about it. Musashi did not mean literally control people, but he was referring to the idea of the self. To have a warrior mindset is to look inward and to defeat those negative traits in our hearts, to be an effective officer in the community. So first, what does it mean to be a warrior? Do you have to be a member of the military? Do you have to be a super athlete? Do you have to fight professionally in a cage like in the UFC? to call yourself a warrior. Is that a false designation? Should we only use it to refer to those warriors from the past? The Spartans, the Vikings, the Knights, the Samurai. So first, what do we mean by warrior? When we say warrior, when I call myself the warrior priest, what do I mean when I say warrior priest? What do I intend by that? Well, one, I'm literally a, a priest of God, so that's pretty clear from the outset. <laughs> But warrior, what is the physical manifestation? What is the vocational manifestation of 
that term that would invite me to label myself, name a podcast after it, use it as my Insta handle, the warrior priest. And how do we then define it in such a way? Leaning into the past for help with the definition, but in the present tense, also recognizing that if the term is vilified, perhaps it's vilified because we have not clearly and effectively defined it for others, and therefore have not manifested it clearly for others, so that when they see how the warrior mindset, the ethos of a warrior, is manifest in concrete reality, they can say, okay, I understand. Now, I understand what the warrior mindset is. I understand what the warrior ethos is because I see you, I see the way you behave. I see how you embody discipline, respect, selfless service, honor, courage, and integrity. Now I understand. A warrior isn't someone who carries a sword and a shield. A warrior isn't someone who is always carrying a gun slung over their shoulder or in their holster. A warrior is not always someone who's a super athlete or a cage fighter. It's someone who has embraced not only the mindset then, the definitions around the warrior ethos, but then seeks to embody it in their everyday life which is, begins with discipline. Discipline, a way of behavior, something that you repeat day after day after day, a way of thinking, a way of feeling, respect. Respect others. There's an old saying that, uh, you know, respect is earned, not given. I actually don't agree with that because, again, that's not selfless. To say, I'll respect you if you respect me is selfish. There's something in it for me. And therefore, I will give you respect as a kind of social contract versus, no, I will respect everyone until they prove to me that they are unworthy of my respect. I will give you the benefit of the doubt at the outset. That doesn't mean that I think you're a good person or that I hope for a certain outcome. I can't control people. I understand that. I've read Musashi. I believe what he says is true. If you want to control others, you first have to learn to control yourself. And to go further with that thought, once you attempt to control yourself, to control your own heart, you will discover quickly how impossible it is then to control others because you can't even control yourself and how difficult it is to control yourself. In fact, impossible to control your own heart. You embrace discipline. Make your bed. Make your bed. Take care of yourself. Groom yourself Care about your hygiene. Care about your appearance and how you look. Make breakfast. Feed yourself. Get a good meal in you before you go out the door. What are you going out the door to do? Are you going out the door to rob a bank? Are you going out the door to take what you can get from the world and, and be a part of the rat race? You're in lane eight in the rat race. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Why are you walking out the door? What are you walking out the door for? What are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? And then respect. Can you respect others knowing, anticipating that they're not going to return that respect? Can you regard other people and have regard for other people and yet not anticipate or expect that they reciprocate the way that you treat them? Can you focus on selfless service rather than on only doing what serves yourself? Honor, Bravery, 
Uh, can you stand up in the face of, can you stand against fear, basically? Can you stand against those who want you to bend a knee for something that is immoral or unethical or illegal, dishonest? Do you have the courage then to be honorable, to show respect for others who don't respect you, to stand up for what's right, that's integrity, when everything around you says, no, go the other way. All of these are a chain. All of these are links in a, in a chain. Discipline, respect, selfless service, honor, courage. They're all links in the same chain. It's a mindset. And that mindset is, I'm not living for myself. That everything is on me, but nothing is about me. It's all on me to live a life of discipline, respect, selfless service, honor, courage, integrity. Why? Because I have to learn how to control myself. Because if I can't control myself, well, what good am I? What good am I to myself just thinking through it selfishly, purely at an individual level? If I can't control my own thoughts, if I can't form a coherent thought, if I can't control my emotions, so I'm always flying off the handle one way or the other, I'm really angry or I'm really sad or I'm really hopeful and excited or I'm really fearful, if I'm just lurching from one emotion to another, how does that help me? If I don't take care of myself physically, if I can't even run to the end of the block, how does it help me physically live my life? Well, it doesn't. So then what does living a life of discipline do for me? Well, I, my bed's made. My room is neat and tidy and clean. I am clean. I am groomed. I am dressed well. Respect, if you don't respect yourself, how can you respect other people? If you don't think that you have any value, well, then how can you value other people? If you haven't first thought about selfless service and what that means, how then are you going to react when people take your selflessness as an opportunity to exploit you for their own purposes and treat you like a doormat? If you're not comfortable with serving others selflessly, that you don't care if there's anything in this for you, there's no reward at the end of the day. If you haven't figured that out for yourself and you haven't come to peace with that, when people take advantage of you, and they will, you're going to be angry. You're going to become more selfish, more cynical, more miserable. And honor and courage and integrity. Do what's right. Have the fortitude, the endurance, the determination to do what's right. Because by doing it, you show honor to other people. You respect other people then. It's not respectful, it's not honorable to see someone doing something unethical, immoral, or illegal and say, not my problem. If you see someone committing a crime, for example, if you see somebody attacking another person and you just turn the camera on your phone toward it and record it, you have no honor. You're a coward and you have no integrity. But yet, what do we see? People care more about posting to their social media feed than they do about stepping in and helping their fellow man or woman. They don't have a warrior mindset. They're not that sheepdog in their own mind that takes care of the sheep. They're not a guardian. What are they? Well, do they even know what they are? Can they even define their ethic? Do they have one? Maybe that's what allows them to so mindlessly and thoughtlessly hold their phone up and record an incident of violence 
and never think to themselves, I could have done something. How dishonorable, how disrespectful was it of me to just stand by and do nothing except record the incident when I could have stepped in and done something. So warrior mindset, again, it's not, oh, I got a sword and a shield. It's not, oh, I got a gun slung over my shoulder. It's not that. That might be a part of it. That might be an aspect of it, but that's not the root. At a deeper level, the warrior mindset helps individual people realize that the true enemy is not outside of themselves, but in themselves. Think about what Eamon says here. When you eliminate the term warrior, you also eliminate the conversation. You don't allow it to happen, so it doesn't happen in academies. Instead, it's demonized by political correctness. Well, nobody can, we can't offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We, don't, we want everybody to feel safe here. You're getting ready for a fight. You're getting ready for a battle. Not just on a daily basis, but on a decade-long basis, on a career-long basis. Why do you care about whether or not your feelings get hurt? when the rest of your life is going to be engaging in conflicts with other human beings, who I guarantee you are going to hurt your feelings now. Because you've done nothing to prepare for that confrontation. And if they hurt your feelings, hey, be thankful, praise God, that that's the worst that happened. You don't have a warrior mindset because you haven't been indoctrinated. You haven't been allowed to be educated in a warrior mindset. It's not the root then of what drives and motivates everything else that you do as law enforcement or as an individual in the rest of your life. And I'll be blunt. If you're a piece of shit human being, it doesn't matter what your vocation is. You're going to be a piece of shit at the vocation. If you're a piece of shit human being and you're a cop, you're a piece of shit cop, not because of you're a cop, but because of who you are as a human being. It has nothing to do with you being a cop. Maybe that allows you more latitude than other people because of the, the parameters of the, of the vocation. But if you're a piece of shit human being, you're going to be a piece of shit baker. That's the way it works. It's not because you're a baker or the bakery or the ingredients you use. It's you. What's in your heart is what makes you, you. The cravings and desires of your heart become thoughts and those thoughts become words and actions. So you can tell me all you want about how you're a person of integrity and character and selflessness. Great. It's like the prophet Isaiah says in the Old Testament, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can say whatever you want to me, but I want to know where your heart is. Show me that you're selfless by serving others. Show me that you have self-discipline by showing me that you can make your bed, that you can show up on time for work, that you can be a part of the team. Show me that you have integrity by standing up for what's right even when everyone tells you you're wrong. Then I know that your words and your heart match up. But that ultimately, if you don't confront yourself, it doesn't matter what vocation you enter into. It doesn't matter what kinds of people you interface with on a daily basis or who you're engaging with. If you haven't gotten right with yourself, how can you be right with other people? How can you serve others if you haven't figured out how to serve yourself? Because serving others is serving yourself. That's why you can be selfless. Because you're not worried about what you're giving out of it. 
And when you're not worried about what you're getting out of it, you're not looking for specific things. Instead, you're enjoying all of it as a piece. <coughs> Excuse me. It seems like I always cough at least once an episode. When you're wide open to the possibilities, then you're wide open to all of the benefits. Even the hard times can be a benefit if you learn from them and they help you grow and they strengthen you as a person to better serve others. But if you're only focused on certain things, well, what am I going to get out of this relationship? Well, here's my list of the top five things I want from this relationship. You've literally shut yourself off. You've closed your eyes to the entire horizon, the whole vista of possibilities and opportunities that are open to you in this relationship, in this job, in this vocation. So rather than go in and say, today, I want to help one person, or today, I'm going to do something good for somebody else. Don't think that way. Figure out how to just be that person all the time, to be selfless in your service of other people all the time. Have that conversation with yourself 24-7. Then you're truly free. You know, when I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, when I first got into Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first things I heard was that if you make sobriety the most important part of your day, every day, 24-7, you'll be sober and free. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. If all I worry about, if all I think about, if all I focus on and put in, in, and turn my energy toward every day, all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, my sobriety, how do I have free time to do anything else? If all I'm worried about is my sobriety, if that's all I think about, I, I'll never be free to do anything else. I'll be at meetings all the time. But what I didn't know because I was naive and then learned as I kept going back, kept going to meetings, kept working my program, reading the big book, working the 12 steps was, it's like when you decide to change your diet. And what I tell people is replace one thing at a time in your cupboards, one thing at a time in your refrigerators, and in like three months time, everything in your house is going to contribute to your health and well-being as far as diet goes. So don't just buy some stuff and keep it in your fridge. Here's, my, here's the stuff for my diet. Instead, no matter if it's you or you and your partner or a family, it doesn't matter. Everybody's got to be on board. Everybody's got to buy in and say, okay, let's replace all of this unhealthy food with healthy food and all these unhealthy drinks with healthy drinks. And then we'll just slowly update our shopping list, change what we buy when we go to the store, change how we budget for food. And within a couple months, all of a sudden, everything in the fridge and freezer, everything in the cupboards, I don't have to think about being healthy anymore because everything in my house contributes to my health. I can just enjoy eating. Likewise with sobriety. If I replace all of my drunken addicted habits with sober habits, at a certain point I have to stop worrying. I can stop worrying about bad habits or falling back into alcoholism and addiction because I've replaced all of those habits, replaced all of those people, replaced everything that contributed to my not being sober with things that contribute to my sobriety people that contribute to my sobriety. So I don't have to worry about being sober anymore because I've surrounded myself and I've put myself in a position where everything around me is contributing to my sobriety. So I don't have to worry about it. I just replaced everything that wasn't sober with things that were sober. I replaced everything that was toxic and destructive and deadly with things that gave me life and joy and helped me. So every day of my life to this day, Sobriety is the most important part of my day, 
all the time, every day. And yet, I never sit there and just worry about it because I've replaced everything in the house with what's healthy. And so years and years and years of doing it, sure, every once in a while, I have a bad thought or I want to go out and get high or I want to have a drink, but I don't scratch that itch. I don't run to the store and buy a bag of Doritos. Cool Ranch Doritos, by the way, if you've never, if you don't know, Cool Ranch Doritos is one of my Achilles heels. Can't just eat one bag. (laughs) But it starts with simply making your bed. It starts with just learning how to tie your shoes. It it just starts with learning how to stand up on your own. But you got to start somewhere. And if you understand what the root motive is, if you understand the why, no matter how many times you fall, you'll stand back up. No matter how many times you fall off the wagon, you'll get back on the wagon. But you've got to start with an understanding of why. And that's the warrior mindset. Why am I a law enforcement officer? Why am I a cop? Why am I doing this? Are you a warrior or are you not? Well, one, we'll eliminate it from the curriculum so we don't even have to have the conversation. And therefore, we won't be creating and training and educating and preparing warriors. Instead, we'll be educating and training and preparing something else. And so do the police, the law enforcement that we encounter on a daily basis, do they have the warrior's mindset? I don't know. Maybe ask somebody if you know a law LEO or somebody like that. Ask them. You ever heard about this? You ever thought about this? What do you think about the definition of a warrior mindset? Do you embrace it? Do you think it would benefit you? Do you think it would benefit your squad or your precinct? You ever thought about maybe, you know, having a seminar or having a discussion about it or calling somebody in who can talk about it and address it? If we don't address the root, we don't have a common definition, a shared definition, how are we ever supposed to go anywhere positive and constructive and helpful, not only for ourselves, not only for LEOs, but for the whole community? The warrior mindset, the warrior mindset is not toxic. It's not about militarizing the police. It's not about saying, well, the police are better than the rest of us so that they don't have to behave like us or be held to the same standards as us. No. It's the opposite of that, actually. The warrior mindset is, here's what I believe and here's what I'm going to manifest in my life every day. Discipline, respect, selfless service, honor, courage, and integrity. You check the cupboards in my house, so to speak, that's what you're going to find there. I'm going to, I'm going to inculcate I'm going to pursue discipline and respect and selflessness and honor and courage and integrity. That will become the sole focus of my life and I will dedicate myself to the pursuit of those principles until they become a reality. And it's just who I am, which according to Musashi is a lifelong pursuit. Because how do you tame your own heart? How do you learn how to domesticate your your emotions How do you stand up in the face of what is evil, even if you alone are the light in the darkness? How do you respect others in a society that doesn't even understand basic civility anymore? How do you maintain discipline when surrounded by people who are undisciplined to the point of excess? And of course, yes, you will be vilified. Yes, you will be disrespected. Yes, you'll be taken advantage of by selfish people. You will be called dishonorable. You'll be called a coward. 
you will be told that you are wrong, that you are evil, that you're on the wrong side of history, that you're a bad person. Not because of who you are in your heart, but because of what you represent to other people. But at a deeper level, does that bother you? It shouldn't. And if it does, maybe look at how weak am I? How fearful am I? Am I jealous? Am I a greedy person? Do I listen to my ego? Do I live to pump my ego, to have my ego pumped? Am I a lazy person naturally? What negative traits dominate my thoughts and behavior? And how do they find their way out in my words and my actions? Because those are your enemies. Your weaknesses, your fears and petty jealousies, your greed, your ego, your overall laziness, those are the true enemy. It's not that person over there. It's not that group over there. It's not this or that. It's you. If you want to know what's wrong with law enforcement in the United States today, it's us. It's us. We don't live in a warrior culture. We don't embrace a warrior ethos. It's not inculcated for our children. They're not indoctrinated in the warrior mindset in school from the earliest age. They're not put in positions to be stress tested when they're growing up. You have to seek those things out. You have to choose to take them up because they're no longer handed to you. They're no longer a birthright or an inheritance. In fact, they're vilified and demonized. And you're seen as being a, a, what do you want to say? You're not a good parent. Let's put it that way. You're not seen as being a good parent. You're not seen as being necessarily the type of person that other people want to hang out with. Because all you seem to care about is doing the right thing. <laughs> Why are you so focused on selfless service? You got to take care of yourself. No one else is going to help you. You got to learn to help yourself. Why do you respect people that don't respect you? Don't you understand that they mock you when you're not around? They make jokes about you? They think you're stupid? Well, I don't have any control over other people and how they see me or what they think of me. All I have control over is myself and how I react to those situations. And the path that I've chosen is not that path. The path of weakness and fear and jealousy and greed and ego and laziness. That's not the path I'm on. I'm on a different path. And so I'm focused on different things and my energy is turned toward and dedicated to different things. And I'm not going to get caught up in that because I'm, I don't want to be a weak person. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to be jealous of what other people have. I want to be satisfied with what I have. I don't want to be greedy. I want to be satisfied with what I have. In my ego, I live to kill my ego. It hurts like hell, but oh, it's so rewarding. And laziness, oh, I love to be lazy. Love it. Love to just lay down and take a nap in the middle of the day. Siesta, as I call it. I love to give in and have a cheat meal. I love to have a little nip, a little, little smoke here and there. Be great. But that would be inviting the enemy in my house. And since I've done so much to keep him out, why would I let him back in? Why undo all the work that I've done? Instead, funnel that energy into more work more discipline, more selfless service, more work on honor, courage, and integrity, more work on respect. And then get so busy doing that work and falling in love with the work 
that you don't have time to waste on weakness and fear and jealousy and greed and laziness and ego and all the other negative traits. And when they come up to you and they get in your face, you're prepared. And this is the last thing I'll talk about today because I've been talking about it a lot. Life is a fight, not a dance. That's what Marcus Aurelius said. It's a wrestling match. We know we're going to be in conflicts. We know. LEOs, you know. Maybe not today. Maybe every call that you went on on today was benign. But you know. That call is going to come. It's not if, it's when. So what are you doing in between those phone calls? What are you doing in between those battles to prepare for the next phone call? Coach at the gym and I were talking last night. You get young guys that come into the gym and they're all fired up to be MMA fighters and they're warriors in their mind and they make sure to let everybody know their mindset. And they come to Muay Thai and they come to jiu-jitsu. And they're dedicated to one or the other or both. They're super excited. And they're determined to get in a cage and fight somebody else. They're super excited. And with that mindset, they're constantly proving themselves in the gym to their teammates, to their coaches. But especially the young guys. And just in my experience, it's not everybody I know that, but just in the people I've encountered in the last four years of, of paying attention to this, They'll come to one or two Muay Thai classes, maybe a dozen or so, and then they decide, I know enough. And then I'll go off on my own and I'll train myself or I'll train with other people. But I don't need my coaches anymore for this or that. Or they go to jujitsu and the same, the same thing happens. They, they, they're there for a month or two or three and then they just make up their mind, I know enough to win this fight. And then they get in a cage and they get knocked out. In fact, in one instance, the guy said, well, I'm just going to hope he makes a mistake. And he, of course, got lost. He got knocked out because his opponent may have made mistakes, but because he wasn't well-trained and he hadn't dedicated 100% of his energy, focus, and attention to preparing for this fight, he wasn't prepared to see or to find those cracks in his enemy's armor. He wasn't there to see when his opponent made a mistake and therefore he didn't pick up on it. And by the time maybe he was starting to see something, it was too late. He got knocked out. These young guys come in and they train for a fight, an MMA fight. But they're not 100%. They're not 100% dedicated to preparing and winning the fight before they get in the cage. And as a point of comparison, when I compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament, I'm competing at a certain weight class with people that are relatively around the same experience level as me. And when, if I get swept or something and I go down and they get on top of me, they're not going to start dropping elbows and punches onto my head. They're going to try and submit me. I know that. That's the rule set. Same thing with a Muay Thai tournament. Same weight, same general experience level, getting in a ring, same rule set. And then we know, hey, if I get kicked in the head, I should have expected that. It's a Muay Thai tournament. If I get taken down and rear naked choked, that's against the rules. I wasn't expecting that. I don't need to train for that in a Muay Thai setting. But in an MMA setting, mixed martial arts, you've got to train for the ground and for standing with at least, you know, it, of course, individual to individual, it varies, but you've got to dedicate yourself completely to striking and grappling. You can't count on your opponent making a mistake. That's no way to train. You can't pre- prepare your mind to win the fight. If the dominant thought is, I hope he makes a mistake, 
And yet how often do we live life that way? Where we don't commit ourselves 100% to sobriety or 100% to being completely selfless in our service to others or 100% to embracing a warrior mindset and embodying that in my vocation. And then we wonder why we fail or why we get in situations where we're put into crisis. We get hurt. We hurt others. Well, of course, because you didn't prepare. If you know that you have a fight coming up, why are you not doing everything to prepare for that fight? If you know you're going to be in a situation where there's conflict and you're going to have to interface with people who are hostile toward you, why are you not preparing for that and putting yourself through stress testing and all that goes along with it? Just because there was no fight today doesn't mean there's not going to be one tomorrow. So what are you doing to prepare? And if you don't dedicate yourself 100% to preparation, why are you surprised then when the crisis comes and you can't handle it? You fold, you bend a knee, you retreat, you surrender, you run away. Well, of course you did because you weren't prepared. How many people were prepared for COVID-19? And I don't mean COVID-19, but what it brought with it. How many people were prepared? Not many. And those that were prepared, the few that were prepared, quickly pivoted and recognized, all right, this is a situation, this is a crisis. Whether I agree with the decisions of the governors or the mayors or the federal politicians or the experts, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether I, whether I agree or not. I have no control over what they say or what they think. How do I pivot? How do I make the best of this situation? How do I work with what I've got? How do I bring success out of a situation that seems like it's just predetermined I'm going to fail? Well, you prepared. And those who weren't prepared weren't able to handle it. They weren't prepared. They went bankrupt. They lost their minds. They fell off the wagon. They committed suicide. They got divorced. They quit because they weren't prepared. And that can be an overwhelming moment. The feelings of being overwhelmed. And really that feeling of being overwhelmed at root, I'm going to the root of this, is your weak and you lack strength. You're afraid and you lack boldness and courage. You're, we're so busy coveting what other people had that you didn't recognize what you did have and how to use that to the best of your ability to prepare you for the fight that's coming. You were so greedy for gain that you were never satisfied with what you had. So then when crisis hit, all you can think of is, oh, I really wish I had this, or I really wish I had that, or I really wish I was that person. And your ego, the root of all of our problems. Laziness. Think of the parable of the grasshopper and the ants preparing for winter. The ants every day prepare for winter, so when winter comes, they're good to go. The grasshopper, he likes to play, he likes to dance, he likes to screw around, and then when winter comes, he's starving to death, knocking on the ant's door, please give me some food. What do we do to prepare for the fight? And if we do nothing, or we're half-assed about it, or we don't take it seriously, or we hope, hey, I hope he makes a mistake, we're going to be defeated. Because that is not the warrior mindset. It is not. Those are our enemies. They're not something to be taken lightly. They're not something to be laughed away. It's not something that we ignore and hope they go away. They don't. They grow and they get stronger. And then when that crisis hits 
And we have to make the tough decision and we have to stand up for what we believe and we have to go against the crowd. Are we prepared? Well, did we prepare? The only way to be prepared is if you're prepared. And the way to prepare is to stop worrying about other people and learn how to control your own heart. To look inward and defeat the negative traits in our own hearts. That, like Eamon says, is how to be an effective officer in the community. And I would argue that's how to be an effective citizen in our communities. If we want to hold our police officers, our law enforcement officers to a higher standard, how about we hold ourselves to a higher standard? How about we raise children to become adults who have been held to a higher standard so then when they choose to become a law enforcement officer, they're already prepared to step into those shoes and put that badge on and go out on patrol. But yet, we don't raise our children up with that mindset and then we wonder why as adults they can't behave that way. They can't act. What did you do to prepare them? Raise your children up in the way that they should go. And then society will be better for it. It starts at home. Stop blaming the police and start looking inward at your own homes and at your own heart. And then you'll know why we are where we're at with law enforcement officers in this, con- in this country. Stop blaming them for all of our sins. Should they be held responsible for what they do? Yes, if they break the law, 100%. Should they receive the same justice as us? 100%. They're still citizens of this United States. They should be held to the same standards as all the other citizens. But we have got to stop looking at the fruit and wondering why the tree is producing poison fruit, rotten fruit. We have to look at the roots. And the fact of the matter is that the roots of bad law enforcement is the root of anything else that's gone bad. It starts at home. And it starts with how we raise our children and how we model a warrior mindset for our own children and others in our community. That's where it starts. So before we point the finger at the police, point the finger at yourself. Hold them to a higher standard of justice. Hold them to a higher standard of morality. Hold them to a higher standard of selfless service. But first, hold yourself to that line and hold your children to that line. And then, in a generation, we'll have fixed law enforcement, or at least as much as we possibly can. That's all I got for today. That's my thoughts, and that's all they are, just thoughts. Agree, disagree, I just hope that I got you thinking. Otherwise, thank you. If you haven't, please subscribe, share the podcast with other folks. I'm still working on the t-shirt, it's coming. Just got to get a few details worked out. Otherwise, it's just busy, busy, busy. Starting my own business in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) While also having a full-time job, actually several full-time jobs. So, yes prioritize and execute. That's, I just keep telling myself that. Don't have an anxiety attack. Don't stress out. Just prioritize and execute and everything will work out. So thank you. I'll post the complete um, text from Eamon's uh, thought on this on both the Anchor FM site and on the website. And you'll be able to get that through Facebook and Instagram as it goes up in about a half an hour or so. Otherwise, thank you so much for all you do to support the podcast. Thanks for all the feedback from all my teammates and for everybody who listens to the podcast. I truly believe it. And I'll talk to you again soon. Peace.